<laughs> hey, what's up? What up? <coughs> How's it going? Pretty good. I see that one of our guests has arrived, so we Yay. see you. What's up? What's up? Hey, next. Hey, Cody. How you guys doing? Hey, Cody. Thanks for joining us. Let me ask you all a question. <laughs> now, we only got two people in the room right now, but that's okay. That's enough people to answer the question. Yeah. You guys can think. Maybe I'll put a poll in the... I think there's a new um, there's a new um, feature from Spotify in so we use Anchor to post to the other podcasts and I think there's this new feature where you can like ask a question. So here's the question that I might pose to our Spotify listeners and anybody that comes on here while we're live to answer. Here it is. You and your significant other are on a hike. You like hiking. You enjoy each other's company on a nice nature hike. It's beautiful. You notice that there's wild animal scat on the ground, but that's normal because wild animals live in the woods. For those of you who don't know. Somebody might not know that. I don't know. You come around the corner. There's a bear. Your significant other turns around, fucking takes off, takes the dog. <laughs> Are y'all still in a relationship? <laughs> so no word, just turns turns tail and just, run. Doesn't say anything. Takes like, off. Take off. Like run with me. Like nothing. Nothing. Yeah. No. No. Got out of hell. Uh, just no, took off. Just self preservation. One hundred percent. Um, when the person who's writing the story returns to the car, their significant other apologizes and says, I was scared, but like you left me to die. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I remember going on a hike. I went doing my, I was one of my first 14 ers and, um, the guy that I was dating at the time, uh, we did, it was a whole group of us and Probably, and I'm a slow hiker. I'm a slow and steady, so I'll make it. I'm just gonna be. I'll just gonna get there way behind you. I, I stop. I take pictures. I stop for everybody else so I can take a breather. Um, I'll get there. So, and he's just. He was just a you know, nose to the ground hike it up, hike up the you know get to the summit. Right. So he arrives to the summit of this 14 or probably like 15 minutes ahead of me. Wasn't even that long. And um, there were people up at the top that gave him a hard time, like strangers, straight up strangers. They're like, you left her? You left her? Yeah. And um, so when I get to the top, they're like, how do you feel about him leaving you? And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, um, well, we have a whole group of us. And, you know, I was like, uh, <laughs> I honestly don't care as long as, you know, I'm like, we were all in a group. If I, if we were, it was just he and I No, I'd be pissed because right. there, you know, there's the whole idea of like, oh, what if I fall and break my ankle or what if I, yeah, safety like, first, safety yeah, safety first. first partner. So um, I didn't, I didn't say, didn't say, uh, you yeah, know, I'm not mentioning no, genders because I, I don't want there to be any, um, there any, you know, bias or anything. Yeah, no, it could be either way, yeah. Would you feel differently if the significant other that left is a male versus the significant other that left being a female? That's a good question. I mean, even just the, like, 
bear and turn and run. I don't got something. So, so, but one time something that says like, I'm, I'm not just, you know, that reminds me that, um, I was in a car accident one time because the only thing that I could utter, the only words that could come out of my mouth in the passenger seat were dear, dear, <laughs> dear. <laughs> and he thought, I was trying to be like, dear, <laughs> like, have, when have I ever called dear, you that? First yeah. of all, never in my life called you dear. Um, <laughs> we had been together for, for a minute, me and that guy. And so he hit that deer. <laughs> we had a car accident. We hit that deer. No. <laughs> so female, no problem. Male with no words, never. I think that's a bias. I think that's a, I think that if you're with somebody like, listen, danger is danger. <laughs> but in our society, I will say it is a little emasculating. Um, when it, it sounds more emasculating when a man does it. Like the man is, but that's society. Society told you the man was supposed to do that. Well, and well, then they I also told it. women to shut their fucking mouths. We don't do that. So... <laughs> As a human, you know, human decency and, and friend to friend. So say it's just, you know, like gender aside, you going to push your friend at that bear. You can just run. You can, <laughs> um, yeah, I think I would probably have to take a picture first and then run. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, <laughs> bear, <laughs> just take <sighs> off. Um, I mean, the first rule of seeing a bear is to run faster than everybody else. Just hightail it. I don't know if you're still in a relationship after that. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Do you like? Do you do you hold? It's, I think. I think too. Like the societal bias is is it's fucking. It makes a difference. I think. I don't want it to. I don't want it to. I want to be as much of an asshole as a man would be considered if I turned and hightailed it out. And, <laughs> I, and, I mean, I I want to be treated equally. Damn it! I want to be an asshole too. <laughs> I mean, I, I think the your your spouse that got left behind would be like you're an asshole for leaving me behind. So you, yeah. you know, due diligence. Yeah, like, I don't think there's a. Um, yeah, like not, didn't even say anything. The, so next says, grab the shirt and haul ass. Just like grab yeah, shirt and be something, like, Come on. something that says, I'm, I'm, I'm taking you. Know, like we're, we're doing, we're running together. You know, like definitely not like leaving you. To <laughs> Just there. leave me there. So okay, it was a, it was a man who did this to his girlfriend. Left her just standing there. His running off. And taking the dog with him spooked the bear. So the bear took off too. So she was safe. And she took her time getting back down the mountain. She said when she got back, this is a Reddit. Somebody teach me how to use Reddit. Because I only read them on Facebook. And I think I would enjoy it more if I knew how to work the whole thing. Anyways, she said <laughs> when she got back to the car, he was crying. <laughs> because he didn't know if she was going to make it or not. <laughs> He took the dog, not the girl. Yeah. You know, well. Well, if he's holding the leash, I mean, that that makes sense, you know. In fairness, I'm going to be real honest with you guys. 
I'm taking the dog first. <laughs> yeah, she's attached. They're attached to me. Yeah, like that is. And also, the... there's a high likelihood that I love my dogs more than I love actual human beings. And <laughs> okay, listen. Um, we. I'm sorry to make you wait. Um, we we do. Our guest is uh, one of our guests is in the waiting room right now. Actually, um might bring you in after I bring up this next topic, um, but it has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about. Said, sorry, the dog is bait. Oh, not in my world. I am a white woman. Mm -mm, the dog goes with me. The dog. <laughs> Before we get started, let's uh, do a little few little announcements. We are the Cannabis Closet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jay. Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't know. We, we, we've we got some work intros and stuff that we're working on, but uh, basically the views and opinions expressed in throughout our show may or may not be opinions of uh, the hosts ourselves. So yeah, you guys are going to know um, what our opinions are. Please. Yes. You know, uh, come in, comment. Yeah. You know, we're here for all of the, the, whether you agree, don't agree and um, just be kind. We're here to be nice. We're here to educate each other and uh, talk about things that matter to us. So, um, but please continue on in the comments. Uh, we love the participation and um, yeah. Or so article that uh, we, we had a topic. Um, it was a I want to talk about that thing now. that made me mad this morning. Yeah, it, 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 it goes along. It's a little bit of a follow-up or not a follow-up per se, but an, an, an example of what is going on in the industry or the medical industry. Um, and we did that show on uh, CHS, Cannabis Hyperemesis Syndrome. And today, uh, Queen read an article and it got her hated. Um, and tell us, tell, us, tell us about that article breakdown and what, okay. what the frame happened. First of all, it's well known that cannabis has caused zero deaths from cannabis consumption alone. It's well known. It's well researched. There are things that have not been researched. That is not one of those things. Okay. First of all, Third, and second, no, that's a lie because the things that have not been researched are the things that have not been discovered in other parts of the world because cannabis has been very thoroughly researched in other parts of the world. Y'all, the United States is not the only continent on this planet that has cannabis or that can research can like yeah and has smart people and like people with fucking <laughs> brains and shit okay so um so so that said what really irritates me i don't i can pull the article up so that i can tell you where the source is i'm packing a blunt right now i can pull it up I don't care about the legitimacy of this source. The information that the source is providing is wrong based on one thing that never happens when doctors who don't get any training or understanding of cannabis to get their medical degree at all, like less than 4% of the curriculum, and it's based a lot in stigma, are diagnosing CHS on the mere mention of consuming cannabis on the mere mention of it without doing their due diligence, which is what you should test the product that this person has consumed that is causing these symptoms to make sure that your diagnosis is correct, especially if there is an uptick of people coming into the emergency room with such symptoms. We need to know why it's happening. And so this story was the most severe of any that I've ever read. This story claims that a child, 17, 18-year-old boy, 
died from kidney failure because of cannabis hyperemesis syndrome. What? Um, yeah. A child. The second time he was admitted, right? Who used cannabis, openly admitted using cannabis in a non-legal state. Can somebody please explain to me why this product wasn't tested or that they didn't try to get a hold of this product to get it tested? When he stopped using cannabis, his symptoms didn't just go away. He continued to get worse. His kidneys started to fail and he ended up dying, according to this story. I don't even know if these are real people. The point is somebody's going to read that and think these are real people if they're not. And if they are, they're going to think that cannabis caused this little boy's death. And it didn't. I'm sorry. It didn't. What, where did he get the cannabis? What did it have in it? Because cannabis doesn't cause that. And it at just, 17, when they're saying it's, a, a chronic, saying it's a chronic um, user syndrome. And it, if at 17, how chronic can, of a user can how he chronic? Be? He didn't even use it that often. This is Dennis. Hey, Dennis, Dennis. Yeah. I was like, let's go ahead and bring him on in. Let's yeah, see. he's been sitting there long enough. And he's, and he knows about, he's well-versed in cannabis too. So I was like, come in for this conversation too. Um, he's here to talk about mushrooms, but we're going to talk about this first. Cause it just infuriates me when these stories come out just like, like, and it's, and I feel like it's always around this time of year when the stories about, Oh, be careful. Your kids are going to get edibles for and, those stories come out. <laughs> and then, and then the CHS stories come out and, mm -hmm. Like they had this kid on pharmaceuticals to prevent the vomiting and all kinds of other things. I mean, this, it's, it, we can link the, the story in the, in the comments here. Um, but yeah, like there's no mention of anybody testing the product that this child consumed. The first doctor heard the word cannabis and automatically diagnosed this as the problem. The second doctor heard that the first doctor diagnosed it as CHS and went ahead and agreed with it. Not a single one of them said, hey, can we like look at what your child is consuming and see when was the last time your child consumed cannabis? How often does this happen? <clears throat> you know? Where, yeah, and again, where are they getting- Where'd you get it from? Where was this uh, article at? It is, so first of all, that was what was disappointing for me too, Is is the- it was on Facebook. Okay. I apologize for that. Because you know, England, England comes out a lot with like that sort of crap. I've okay. seen a lot of like sort of crap like that come out of England for some apparent reason. Um, but there was a, a, a person in your comments, um, Queen, that was saying uh, they went with um, <clears throat> internal bleeding and they wanted to uh, throw CHS diagnosis at, at her and, uh, and her husband took her and left and went to another hospital where she was diagnosed properly and they were able to save her life. Yes. Um, and had she gone with that original diagnosis as these people did, if this is a real true story, then she wouldn't be here. She wouldn't be able to tell us about that. Right. Um, this story was posted on a page that I follow called the cannabis community. So I was disappointed in that um, alone. And then the story um, was posted by medicalnewstoday.com, which probably not a super reliable source 
to get information like this is probably not even, they don't have any good sourcing or medical journal stuff like I that. Think you it, know? I think it depends but on the article because I have one people, pulled up on it. <laughs> but people, but people see the word, um, the words mm -hmm. um, medical news today. And then they, it's just automatic, right? This is like seeing that white coat. It's automatic that we can trust this because why would they say anything that we can't believe? Right. But then this whole article is just like telling us how bad, this little boy's symptoms got and nobody thought that it could be something other than cannabis. They automatically just threw it on there in a non-legal state, of course. Right. I mean, common sense, which nobody, nobody that stigmatizes cannabis has any common sense about this, but common sense would tell me we are in a legal state where they do testing on the cannabis products and, and hold that note because I got something else on that where they do regular testing on the cannabis products. Uh, and we don't know where this 17 year old child got his cannabis illegally. So we really don't know what's causing this. Yeah. They have like bad carts and stuff going around online all the time. All the time. We talk about that regularly here. Um, and then, and then the piece where I said, well, hold that note. I also have an argument for anybody who wants to come at me and say, well, I used cannabis that I got out of a dispensary. Good for you, boo-boo. They should still retest it because there are recalls in dispensaries. And some of the testing centers actually fudge the numbers for their clients, which is why they're also being investigated from time to time. So right. like they may not be and these laboratories may not be testing for X, Y, and Z that may have come from this product. So, right. I mean, to take a look at the product itself. And here's the thing. Is there any of that product left? Is there any like is that? And is there is there anything else that would cause these symptoms to happen? I always. Yeah. And I ask um, someone asked me about it. I was like, I, I guess at this point you start a treatment journal and a, you know, a health journal and a treatment tracker. And when you're medicating and. Uh, you know, how are you feeling and, and what are your symptoms? It, it's, yeah, it's, it's just crazy because, um, there was, there's a point where he wasn't using cannabis, but his symptoms continue to get worse, which makes me think that it's probably some type of like poisoning that has infiltrated his kidneys and started shutting them down. Septic, septic. Yeah. So, um, anyways, I want to talk about that because. I know those articles come out all the time and I just want you guys to do your due diligence about it. And never, not one time have I seen an article about CHS where they said, well, we tested the product and we, we are absolutely certain that the only thing in this product is what is contained in the cannabis plant. And that's absolutely what the cause is. And that right? patient used nothing else. And that patient used nothing else. And they can't do it. They can't do it. It's just, anyways. So, well... Um, we do have another guest that's going to be coming through shortly. Uh, he is on his way, but um, I think we should just get right into the topic, which is um, we're going to talk about mushrooms today. I'm very excited about this. Psilocybin. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And others too. And others <laughs> Not too. Just, I know that a lot of you um, want to hear about the psychedelics and we are going to talk about psychedelics, but Dennis actually grows all kinds of mushrooms. So yeah. I'm going to give the floor to you for a second and let you introduce yourself and tell us about what you do. 
Yeah, uh, my name is Dennis. I, I run a business called One Man Mushroom, um, and I like like Ferris said, I, I do all types of all types of mushroom stuff: uh, turkey tails, uh, reishis, oysters, all types. So yeah, I don't really grow psilocybin just because of the whole legal aspect of it, but but I know a decent bit about it. So. So um, tell me, what is your favorite uh, type of mushroom to grow? Oh, and- well, yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, well, any type of medicinal one is really great. Rishis, they're really, really pretty. Um, they're also known as the uh, Ganoderma lucidium. They're kind of like a brown and orange and white. And uh, they're really pretty, but they're also like used as a blood thinner. So, and, and they're known as like the mushroom of immortality. So that's a, you know, it, it's kind of, it, it's kind of like, like snake oil shit when you say that, but. <laughs> but is it snake oil shit? Like, I feel like, um, there's something to that. So I wanted, I'm glad that, um, you're here because you do farm all the different types of mushrooms and they do have some medicinal effect on some level. A, a lot of the different yeah. types of mushrooms, um, like you were saying about this particular one. Um, so, so can you just tell us a little bit about some of the mushrooms that you grow and what some of the medicinal effects might be, even if it's not like a, you know, psychedelic effect? Oh, oh yeah. Well, also like, you know, it's, it's legal in DC for psilocybin sales, uh, which I think is crazy. Uh, it's legal in a lot of places, Seattle, they just, um, legalized the sale of it and denver they decriminalized it canada you can buy microdosed uh capsules of psilocybin um all day long if you want to uh so it's you know it's it's kind of to tell you the truth when newsweek recently let out an article stating that psilocybin is just as good if not better than prozac um i would say like it's more of not just one mushroom um, that's great. It's like a collection of them. So, um, with like Rishi, there is, there is some, uh, there is a, a blood thinning effect with it. And the national Institute of health has done like a lot of, um, studies on this. Um, and then also Turkey tail was just approved by the FDA to help in conjunction with modern medicine for, uh, the remission of cancer. Um, so that's pretty important too. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of different, okay. So with every single mushroom has some sort of like medicinal effect with it, at least, uh, any edible ones, um, oyster (laughs) mushrooms, those are usually used in like culinary purposes. But if you like make an extract of it, that's below 180 degrees Fahrenheit, there is medicinal aspects to it to actually like help you with, um, uh, uh, your immunities from like colds and viruses. So they're all, they're all pretty great. You know, um, the, the problem is, is, is trying to actually grow them. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of mushrooms that you can't really honestly reproduce in a house or something like that. You could kind of reproduce them outside, but you have mm-hmm. to baby them a little bit. Right, um, mimic those growing conditions. Is that the issue is not, um, being able to, provide the same thing like being out like if you go mushrooming i know there's like a, a, a foraging and stuff yeah for we have a whole weekend up where i live there they do like a little mushroom festival for the weekend and they you know, educate on um foraging and uh they go doing the walks and everything so i mean it's hard to 
create those natural, some of those natural environments to get that same, when we talk about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Try and reproduce outside. So like morels um, from what um, Paul Stamens has been, he's been kind of like experimenting with it uh, that usually a mycelium patch is about like four to five, six feet around, but then several feet away is actually where you're going to get your fruits at your actual mushrooms at um, mycelium in, in a, in a commercial aspect uh, when you're growing them in bags or something like that, think about it kind of like a muscle. Um, so mycelium you have, uh, well, first of all, mo uh, most gourmet mushrooms and medicinal mushrooms eat the cellulose out of wood. Um, psilocybin, they eat a uh, different sort of uh, uh, stuff. They, they really like cocoa and vermiculite or manure, you know what I mean? But something that's super rich in nitrogen and carbon. Um, medicinal and gourmet mushrooms, they really like uh, a different sort of buffet, I guess you could say. Uh, and in bags, this is with all mushrooms. So if you're growing psilocybin mushrooms in bags or something like that, or like in a tub or something like that, because there's many different techniques. Um, it's kind of like thinking about it kind of like a, a muscle. So in the wild, it's really wispy. Sometimes mycelium can like span for yards, maybe even, maybe even like a mile. You know what I mean? Like there's one mushroom that's the largest living organism and it's a mushroom. Uh, it's a mycelium patch in Oregon somewhere. So that's to give you an example. And that's like acres big. So, um, so, uh, so when you're growing it in a bag or something like that, or in a tub, when you get like that fine white mycelium, you won't see that in the wild. Um, so, so there are different aspects to try and to reproduce everything to where you can end up having something. Um, because in the wild, it takes them from, you know, spring all the way to fall. And, but if you're trying to grow them inside, you know, people, they do it in like 21 days. So they're, there's, yeah. So to try and make it viable in our mind, in our society, in the way that we like to do things as human beings, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's pretty different. So we have, uh, we have been inundated with questions. <laughs> so the first question is, um, so there, so there are different mushrooms for different symptoms of illnesses or. Yeah. Yeah, so for sure. Yeah. So like I was saying before, so Rishi is a blood thinner and turkey tail is, is really good for getting rid of free radicals uh, in your body. So it's really good for getting rid of like, it, it's actually, it's actually great for cancer. Um, but uh, Rishi that's been uh, used to help um, regulate blood sugar and uh, uh, blood pressure. It's really good for blood pressure and, and kidneys and blood clots. So um, would it be best to use them like um like how would it be best to use them to to benefit them from in, yeah to, thank you with your food both all like you could take extracts extracts would be a great thing um usually rishis are pretty hard let me actually get something I'll I'll get a a reference He's going to get a reference for us I love that 
Um, well, let's, uh, this other question, uh, uh, the hope is to, is the hope to be able to streamline sales like cannabis? I don't I think so. Think people like, can you imagine like a little nat plant natural pharmacy? I don't know. Like, someone's Are there different types of, I think that, I, well, I wonder, I wonder if in a, in a sales situation, would the sales include both, um, mushrooms that aren't like a psychedelic or don't affect you psychoactively um as well as those more what's considered medicinal when we talk about um mushrooms in general because you know when you say medicinal mushrooms people are not thinking about what you're talking about they're thinking yeah. about the psychedelic they think mushrooms, magic mushrooms. and i yeah. think there's some crossover in the you know in you know, they're that circle, you know, <laughs> or those, mm -hmm. um, that the psilocybin and the medicinal aspect of what is helping people with depression, you know, will you only be able to get mushrooms <laughs> in the mushroom dispensary? <laughs> well, uh, they, okay. So in, in Denver, when they decriminalized it, um, some guy, uh, he there's a, there's an article about it from the Denver paper. He uh, started a, a little business, a little psychedelic mushroom business. And he's looking at like 45 years in prison right now because they decriminalized it to they the point where you could it. grow it. Yeah, you could grow it in your house, but you couldn't make money off. Of it. They didn't legalize sales yet. But the question is, that is that is the hope that we're going to streamline it, line it like we do with cannabis? And I think, yeah, eventually that's going to happen. Um, I mean, this is, I have something that a friend gave me that is, you know, lion's mane and cordyceps, CBD and CBG blend. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it's, I mean, you know, whatever, um, you know, I think it's not. Cordyceps, uh, I just recently saw an article about that. Um, let me see here. And cordyceps is actually a carnivorous mushroom. But it's all packaged up all nice, you know, like I'm, it's like ready for like, you know, be sold in Walgreens. Like I don't want to, you know, rep the yeah. company. So not unless they pay in us. It says energy terpene blend, vegan, you know, so it's like ready to has the supplemental fat, like it's counter ready. Yeah. Yeah. What I, well, I sell, I sell mycelium supplements, so I make capsules and um, I also sell like uh, uh you know, shredded reishi and things like that, turkey tail and stuff like that. Um, they actually have a uh, clinical trials for an anti-cancer drug derived from a cordyceps right now. Um, they're, they're going through the clinical trials for that right now. So that's, that's to so give you an example, but that's a carnivorous mushroom, cordyceps. Tell, tell, tell us about that. Yes. So, what does that mean? Cord uh, what does that mean? Well, cordyceps, uh, there's a couple of them. There's cordyceps militaris, which uh, that's in Asia. Um, I'm, I'm thinking like Thailand. It's, it's where it's really hot and humid. And um, so it's like a coastal areas of Asia. And uh, then also there's another type that's in Central America, South America, um, near the coast, coastal areas. Uh, what people usually grow indoors is a commercialized, um, they look like Cheetos. That's, that's the way that I can explain it. Um, but they are, and, and that's Cordyceps Militaris. And that's, uh, so you, you used to grow that on silkworms, 
so you would infect silkworm pupas and then Aww. they would grow. It's when people talk about the zombie mushroom, like from uh, The Last of Us or something like that, that's a cordyceps strain. Okay, so it, and it eats bugs out in the wild and it's the zombie sort of mushroom. It like makes bugs because it really wants to live, I think, in a bird's stomach. But um, it will like it, it'll, you know, it'll infect an ant and then the ant will get on top of a leaf and it'll grow out of its head. It'll like bust out. Of its oh, head. no, from, I saw. From did you? It's great. Did you post the picture of the I saw something like this, but I think it was with bees. Oh, yeah, yeah. They infect bees, too. Yeah, they can infect bees. I was like, oh, there's mushrooms growing It's out a different of type of strain, but yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's Aww. like, but it's really, really good for you. It's really great. It's uh, Cordyceps militaris. Uh, it's great for, it's just going through the anti-cancer drug thing. But it's, um, so Rishi is really good for, uh, Male potency, male vitality. Let's oh, just to get a hard on, y'all. It's yeah. good for getting it up. Which same, one again? Say it again. Same with we Cordyceps militaris. So it's like this stuff is used in like in other cultures and has been for a really long time as as like, you know, virility sort of crap. So that's that's really, you know, that's kind of like a gimmick for a lot of these mushrooms in other areas of the world. Which, in fact... um which is a really good fact to know. Uh, most mushrooms that are grown, uh, a third of the world, uh, the third world countries, a third of our mushrooms is actually grown in third world countries. Uh, another third is grown in Asia. So that's, I think that that's amazing that it's like, it's all, it's, it's worldwide, you know? It's yeah. like anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. Like I've seen mushrooms farms in India like not with my own eyes, but like videos of them, like acres big, acres big, you know what I mean? And I think that's amazing. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's just great. It's just great. There's mushrooms that eat plastic. Yes. I think I've read and heard this. Yeah. Yeah. There's all types of stuff. So are those, but are those, um, are those types of mushrooms, would, would they be safe to eat or? Cordyceps militaris? No, the ones that eat plastic. No, no. So the bioluminescent mushrooms, like bitter oyster, Mm -hmm. and then things that eat plastic, I wouldn't eat those. The reason being is because of the uptake of what's in the mushroom itself. So if you're growing, um, you could grow oyster mushrooms on straw and use motor oil, and it will take up all of those nasty parts of the used motor oil into the mushroom itself. So you'd have to, you, you throw that away, you know what I mean? But it would clean the straw. Oh, got you. So it's like a hemp plant. Yeah, exactly. So it takes up a lot of, it it also takes up a lot of heavy metals and pesticides. So that's, so if you have a problem with button mushrooms that you buy at the store that come in the little plastic thing and they're like, you know, $2 for like half a pound or something like that, they're nasty after two days. Those are sprayed with pesticides. That's why people have so many problems with them. And they're absorbed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're oh. sprayed with and they absorb. They have a permeable skin. Um, they're, they, they have something called chitin in them, which is kind of like the same thing in a shell or our, or our fingernails. Um, but then also that, that cell wall, that, 
they breathe in, you know, moisture. So it's like right. they're breathing in that crap. And oh, then, man. yeah, yeah. So along with hemp, oyster mushrooms could save the planet. The two, the two uh, miraculous plants together. Um, I had a question and it left my mind cause I got so like, <laughs> I grow my weed plants with old, uh, with old blocks. So I, I, you can, you can, okay. So I've used old, uh, mushroom blocks, busted them up and then put them in with soil mm-hmm. and then started growing weed plants out of them and they grow great. Nice. I'm sure. Yeah. But they, you also get like oyster mushrooms and stuff like that too. So. Yeah, but they're yeah, just yeah. keeping the soil clean. Yeah, it's basically key, it's clean up. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty dope. It's yeah. pretty. It's pretty fucking awesome. That is really cool. I don't think that people. I actually, we wanted to do a whole soil dirt at the session. So, I well, think- it's a it's a, it's a uh, living soil technique. If you've ever heard of, um, there's this type of fungus that's being sold online. It's this company. I forget what their name is. But they're really big and they sell like white fuzzy mycelium basically that you add to your soil and it makes it living soil, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Kind of does. It kind of, I wouldn't say it like there's a difference between the living soil in my garden and the living soil in a pot. You know what I mean? It's, right. You don't, you know, it doesn't have like worms and stuff like that. You need, you need that biome. You need yeah. all that stuff. So um, I think a lot of people, they, uh, they use that gimmick. You know what I mean? They use that mm-hmm. gimmick of living soil when it really, is it, is it really? Is it? No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, we'll, um, we'll have that conversation long and drawn out with you um, for sure. Cause we do, we absolutely want to have a conversation about different oh, um, substrates, different substrates that we use um, when growing our cannabis and we'll bring some growers on and talk about that for sure. Yeah. It'd be interesting conversation. Um, so it looks like, uh, our other guest has arrived, but there was a couple of other questions I wanted to hit you with before we bring him through. Sure. Um, so, uh, those are business questions. We'll save those to the end. Uh, how long can you keep them for before they lose potency? So, okay. So dried magic mushrooms or just any type of, you can dry them out. And they'll keep for a good like year in a jar as long as they stay dry in a cool. Will the potency change? Is there any um, science on that, or or uh, has anyone ever like tested their mushrooms a year later and been like, "Hey, yo"? (laughs) I I don't I don't think people can hold on to magic mushrooms for that long. (laughs) No, you forget. You never know. Backpack or yeah, you end up eating them. You know what I mean. Um, as, far, as, as far as I know, they shouldn't lose that much potency. You know what I mean? Yeah. Got you. Um, I'm going to save this question for bringing on our next guest. So both of you can answer it. We're going to bring Randall on. Hey, hey, how are you? Hey, I finally made it. Sorry to keep you yeah. waiting. Welcome, welcome. No, no worries. No worries. Um, how are you? I'm good. <laughs> Did you get a chance to take a breath before coming on? No. No. <laughs> take one right now. Yeah. All right. I'm good. 
Yeah. So, uh, Randall, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and um, tell us about your, um, a little bit about your mushroom experience? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, yeah, Randall, um, you know, I guess, I don't know. My my angle on the whole mushroom thing is really more from a, uh, or I guess it's kind of evolved into more of a uh, shamanic slash spiritual, you know, type approach to things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's based on my experience. Um, you know, I, I guess you could say I, I, I kind of avoid, you know, labels or titles. I'm just me. But um, I have experience guiding a lot of people. And I've got, you know, I don't know, 40 or 50 different people. Um, after I moved here to Durango, somebody had mentioned Michael Pollan's book and asked me if I'd read it. and I hadn't. And eventually I got around to reading it. And uh, I guess you could say that I may fit, you know, a label that may fit would be Underground Guide, as is described in Michael Pollan's book. Um, I think, you know, to me, what was interesting about that <clears throat> is that I had no idea that other people were doing this. Um, I had no idea until I went to the Telluride Mushroom Festival in 2018 that the uh, that the research they're performing, specifically at University of Alabama, is exactly the same thing I've been doing. Um, and I've not I've not received any kind of training. There's no lineage. This is all just you know something I kind of stumbled into or was shown during my personal trips. Right. Awesome. Well, welcome uh, to the Cannabis Closet. Uh, we are normally talking strictly cannabis, but today we wanted to touch on the fungus. Um, Dennis uh, grows mushrooms, all types of mushrooms. He's a mushroom farmer and um, we've brought him on and he's been giving us um, some really cool information about just mushrooms in general. Um, but we're going to shift gears a little bit and get into what everybody wants to talk about. And that is the magic of the mushroom. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, somebody has asked a question and I feel like there are different answers to this question. Um, and uh, so where is it? Where's the question is how often do you need to dose for a microdose? For a microdose or for a macrodose, it depends on what angle you're um, pursuing. And I think it depends on what you're looking for. But I will give you both an opportunity to answer um, that question. Who wants to go first? If you want to, Randall. Okay. Uh, Usually, so Paul Stamens and, and a lot of other people they say uh, to use less than a gram. So like a 10th of a gram uh, for a matter of like a week or so. And then to up that dosage up to almost, well, every week to up the dosage all the way up to like half a gram a day, which I think is excessive, but (laughs) that's for microdosing Uh, for macrodosing. I would think as many times as you need, as you think you need to, you know what I mean? So. Exactly. No, I, I, I concur. You know, microdosing is not my thing. I've just, you know, that just isn't the way that I approach it. It's not part of my personal experience. Um, but yeah, as it relates to the macrodose, you know, anytime anybody asks me that question, I say, well, and I think a big part of the process that we go through with the macrodoses and working with the spirits that we encountered when we enter those spaces is, uh, is learning to get answers for ourselves on our own. You know what I mean? 
Um, so I totally agree with what you're saying. Anytime anybody asks me the question, I throw it right back at them and say, what do you think? You know, for me personally, uh, my first, you know, heroic dose, you know, uh, alone, eyes closed, silent darkness in the middle of the night, um, it blew my mind. You know, it took a good six weeks to kind of sort of integrate what I'd experienced. And coming off of that, I had a lot of questions. So I think, you know, uh, for me, you know, the way that I gauge it is, uh, well, a lot of intuition, but, um, you know, kind of process through what I've experienced, try to make some sense of it, and then come back with more questions and ask, because you can have a conversation with whatever this is that we encounter, you know? Right, right. Well, so I think too, you know, when I'm, when I'm working with people to get them prepared, you know, what I'm, what I'm looking for is um, that they're at a place that they can go into it without a lot of fear. Because, you know, for me, what I've seen is, well, the, the way that I define a, you know, quote, bad trip is resisting what we're being shown. Right. So for someone to be properly prepared, it requires that they go into it just completely turning loose and being ready to just observe. So if you're, you know, getting ready for your first shamanic dose, um, I mean, gosh, who knows how long. I mean, I've, I've worked with people for up to a year before they were ready. Wow. That's yeah. a long time. I mean, and, so, yeah. I mean it is. a little bit of a rabbit trail since I've you know, mentioned that particular uh, situation. I like to work with dreams. So when I meet people and it's, you know, what I was told in a vision is those that need your healing will find you based on your vibration. And then people just start showing up randomly. Right. And so in the more bizarre the encounter that, that introduction, the more, the more valid it is in my mind. <clears throat> so typically what happens is we'll meet and uh, then they start dreaming and I'll go through and interpret their dreams and I'll watch how they're reacting to the information that they're being presented in their dreams and that gives me a good assessment for whether or not they're willing to uh, receive new information that may dictate a change, change in behavior. And if I don't see that, then I'm hesitant to go into it. Yeah. Interesting. Um, somebody has asked, y'all are doing the interview for us. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> is, for is like, even when we're talking about um, if somebody wanted to try microdosing or, Macrodosing does um, does height and weight um, and all of those things play into where they should start in their dose or. I would say yes, honestly, because me, I'm kind of a lightweight when it comes to that sort of stuff. So it's like if I like I said, half a gram, I think is a little bit excessive if you're taking it every day. But mm -hmm. I've known people that, you know, they eat a half a gram and they hardly feel anything. Mm -hmm. So uh, I would, I would, I would say that, but then also I would say just to try and take it slow. It's, it's not like you were going to want to microdose and then like go to work or drive your car or something like that, just for the safety aspect yeah. of that. Because a lot of people, they think that they can, mm -hmm. and I would say just start on a day off and see how right. it happens. You know <laughs> I, I mean? say this about cannabis too. We always start yes. low and go slow. And when we take our first doses and our first experience with whatever medicine we're using, whatever, um, if we're using cannabis medicinally, if we're using um, mushrooms medicinally, we're going to start low and go slow because you can always take more. You cannot take less. Once you once it's in your system, it's in your system. And also, as Dennis stated, do it on a day when you got nothing else going on that you can concentrate on you and your reaction to what you're doing. 
Um, Randall has a different perspective on the macro dose. So I definitely want to hear um, from you how you feel about um, first timers. How would they prepare? And what is there? Is there a dosing chart that you would use or? Well, again, you know, it, it comes down to what feels right, you know, as much as anything. Um, from my perspective, the, the goal is to cross over to the other side, you know, to, you know, some people, I guess, refer to that as ego death. I don't like that term necessarily, but I think that's a commonly applied term. Um, we got to come up uh, with a new one. That seems very aggressive. It is very aggressive. We need new terminology. That's too aggressive. <laughs> so I guess if there's a rule of thumb, you know, regardless of height, weight, experience, you know, all that kind of stuff, uh, from my perspective, the minimum is three grams. And there are some people that I've worked with, and, and the term that I apply to them is that their their veil is thinner than others, right? So they may have some, you know, weird, funky spiritual information coming through in random ways, which the way I interpret that is that there's, there's messages that are awaiting them. And for those people, a lower dose will get them to the other side. <laughs> other people where I see that they're fighting what they're being shown before going into it, I'm doing them a favor by negotiating or recommending a higher dose. So my rule of thumb is nothing less than three grams. And, and I think that we reach a point of, of kind of synaptic saturation. I've done some pretty heavy doses and experientially, it's really not that much different. I think, you know, once you get over a certain point, basically, you're flat out on the bed and you're not going anywhere anyway. Yeah. You know? Hey. Um, do, what, I've, so- what I've really started trying to get into more is something called crystals of the gods, which mm-hmm. is an expert extract of psilocybin done with um, alcohol. Mm-hmm. And it's where uh, you take like high grade alcohol, usually, well, if you can get ethanol, get ethanol, but... Uh, you can use Everclear and you basically just break up a bunch of psilocybin, a bunch of psilocybin mushrooms. And then you kind of, you're supposed to boil it a little bit, make like sort of an extract out of it, mm-hmm. but then you're supposed to evap all that, all that liquid off. Mm-hmm. And as you're evapping it off, uh, it creates crystals mm-hmm. and then you can actually, I've done it and it's not like, the greatest experience. Oh my God. I saw God. It was more like, um, it was, I just felt really good. And I thought to myself, I was like, if somebody could take this at smaller doses, this is what's going to be, this is what's going to be the future because people are afraid of hallucinations. Like a lot of people are afraid of hallucinations. Yeah. People do stay away from what Randall's talking about because they're not ready to face that. And I think that's part of your message too, is if they're not ready, you're not ready to, to go on that journey with them. Do you? Absolutely. I'm sorry. I was saying um, you, so you prep some of your people you work up to, you're not just throwing them into like a dose in a session. Oh, no, no. You're like, you're, you're aiming for a goal. You're, you want to see where they're at before you're going to like throw them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like I said, you know, in my mind, the definition of a bad trip is resisting what we're being shown. So I'm looking for someone uh, to, you know, I'm trying to bring them to a place where they're open and, and I explain to them, I tell them a lot of stories, you know, my stories and the people that I've worked with so that they understand what to expect so that they're not just completely, um, you know, so shocked that they miss what is there for them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I think, you know, like you were saying, you know, talking about the, uh, the psilocybin crystals being the future, I think, you know, there's kind of really two different ways of looking at this whole enterprise. And, uh, you know, in my mind, you know, the microdosing or, you know, taking something on a regular basis to feel better really kind of fits into our, you know, kind of the way that we've evolved this Western mindset mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, that we're, we are beings that have a chemical imbalance in need of a chemical solution, or we show up at work and we have no energy for what we're doing. So we're going to take something that provides additional energy. And, you know, all, all psychedelics at low doses uh, function as central nervous system stimulants. So we're going to, you know, that, that's just going to happen. And that is a chemical thing. But the way I choose to look at it is, you know, some are more interested in the bus and the, and the way that it works. You know, I want to take apart the bus and see how, it, you know, how it goes this way and that way. Um, others are more interested, you know, the bus takes us to see the wizard. And the mystic is more interested in what the wizard has to say than the way that the bus works. Right. I fall into the latter category. Yeah. I don't really care. It gets me there, you know. Yeah. So as it comes to, you know, you know, and I think um, – uh, a text that you had sent me a week or so ago, you'd asked the question about different strains and whatnot and the, and the relative potency and, or, or the difference in the experience. <clears throat> I've only worked with two strains and experientially they're the same. There's a big difference in potency. One of them happened to be albino penis envy, which supposedly is triple strength. I don't know if it is or not. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't care. You know, right. I don't yeah. You know, if, as long as it's got psilocybin, as long as I cross over to the other side, that's what matters to me. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like the thing that about. Um, oh, sorry about that. The thing mm-hmm. about um, the thing about uh, penis envy and, and albino penis envy and all of those is that uh, I've always heard from like old school aspect of that cubensis or just cubensis right like it doesn't really matter and like i've done a little research on it i guess i've like looked at it to where it's like there's the azure the azurens you see these words you don't hear them you know what i mean so it's like the azure census or something like that and that's supposed to be a strain of b positive and it's i i i don't know man like i i think that um i'm right there with you with the whole thing of like it, it, they're both, they should both be experientially similar, right. you know what I mean? So it's like, I'm, I, yeah, I, when people say, Oh yeah, penis envy is triple strength. I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> Whatever you say, man. <laughs> well, you know, I started off with penis envy and I didn't know that it was triple strength. Right. Yeah. So you know, I did my, whatever, my three and a half grams of uh, penis envy in the middle of the night, just had this mind blowing experience. Um, and I continue with that. And then, you know, as I was trying to make sense of it, part of my own integration process was listening to a lot of Terrence McKenna because, you know, I'm just this, you know, crazy dude, you know, taking mushrooms in my bedroom. I had nobody to talk to. Right. So here's Terrence McKenna that's got just this plethora of YouTube, you know, lectures on YouTube. So I'm like, okay, what does this guy have to say? You know, we, we've had similar experiences and um, I forgot where I was going <laughs> he's great. He's great. He's amazing. Terrence McKenna is amazing. He's he's amazing. He's great. I'm, um, I'm I just want to tell you guys that I've just experienced my favorite part of the show today, which is having two men talk about penis envy. 
while we listen and mind blowing experiences. They are having mushroom talk. They are absolutely. Well, this is all mu- they're talking about um, mushrooms. It's a, it's a strain. Yes. Just yes. like how cannabis gets these rando names. Um, yes. Same thing. Um, I, our, my friend who was, uh, we want, I wanted to be on the show that I did not communicate time and, and place properly. Um talks about Ecuadorian cubes and uh, you know, some things that he is using for his uh, journey and for uh, his purposes. And so, um, and he was talking about this one that uh, makes your hands breathe. And, and I was like, okay, so. Um, it's interesting. The well, you know, and as it relates to that choice, well, I know where I was going with the, with the albino penis. Envy. Thanks for that clarification. Um you know, like I said, you know, I started off taking this. I didn't know, you know, I had no idea what the dosage was, but um, I was taking, you know, five grams of albino penis envy, which if you, you know, believe what you read, that's 15 grams, right? And and I liked it because, you know, and, and I would use what they call the uh, lemon tech, uh, which is, you know, you grind up the, uh, the, the dried mushrooms, uh, soak it in lemon juice for about 20 minutes, add hot water, and then, you know, toss it down the hatch, bits and all, more like a soup than a tea. And I would, you know, experience a come up in, in 15 minutes. Yeah. And I like that because I don't like, you know, taking it another way without, you know, a, maybe a, a lower dose, a different strain uh, without the, the uh, lemon tag. It may be, you may be sitting around for an hour waiting to feel the effects. Yeah. That to me is when the anxiety starts to build. I want to be just kicked over to the other side and see it, you know, see in four hours, I'm gone. The reason why that is, the reason why that it takes so long is because what I was talking about earlier with the chitin, the chitin that's in uh, their cell, they're made with uh, all mushrooms have chitin in them, which is the same thing as your uh, fingernails and stuff like that and shells and things like that. So it's like you have to cook them. So like the lemon juice actually kind of chemically breaks them down. Right. So you, you actually have to cook them to actually get all the benefits from them and and what i usually do when i'm taking uh psilocybin is what i like to do is i like to simmer it on in like in a pan right take a take a good bit and simmer it in a pan and uh for about 20 30 minutes and then usually i'm with somebody and and we just drink that and uh yeah that's that's it's pretty intense for a good long time but it's you know it, it is what it is it's you know that did this the point right <laughs> so, oh, yeah yeah that's the to point. me that's the point you know yeah. and, you know and as you were saying for a lot of people that scares the hell out of them mm-hmm. you know? it does it's very part of it you know i think you know one of the things that i've i've learned from this whole you know thing and the, the various people that i've worked with is that uh we may not know it, it may be completely unconscious or subconscious but I think we all have, you know, carry with us some existential angst, you know, uh, fear of death. And uh, when you enter that spirit realm, that's that you're going to the same place, in my in my opinion, you know. So just just by virtue of the fact, and I think that maybe why people refer to it as ego death, as if it's a one time thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, because your your consciousness is leaving your body, you're going to another realm, and once you get there and you become comfortable with it. Death is, you know, I mean, this whole existence just seems trivial, you know, right. and death is no big deal. And and I think that's, you know, when we talk about, you know, relieving symptoms of anxiety, depression and things like that. Um, I mean, really, it's it's a spiritual experience that, that does that. In my view, it's not a chemical thing. You know, mm-hmm. if we if we choose to take it on a regular basis, 
uh, in my view, we're choosing to, um, well, it's kind of like when, you know, I, I was advised, I don't know, 15 years ago to take antidepressants. And I took them for about a month and I said, this is, this is, this is stupid. I'm taking a drug to tolerate a dysfunctional situation. Right? <laughs> yeah. Why not get to the root of the problem and fix the situation? And, you know, again, you know, you know, when you view it as a spiritual thing versus a chemical thing, it's, it's based on information, mm-hmm. I'm receiving information. And both myself and the people that I've worked with have seen just, you know, had incredible insights into very complex relationships or um, situation. For me, I was in a very complex uh, custody litigation battle and I was shown some insights about it and that directed my, you know, my next steps. Nice. Nice. Um, we have a question for, it says for Randall, but both of you can definitely answer this. What are your thoughts on um, the other practices that are not mushrooms? So um, that are available for these types of experiences like ayahuasca and things like that. Oh. What are your thoughts on those types? You want to go first? Oh, I, I know. Uh, yeah. Like one of my most uh, greatest experiences was doing ayahuasca by myself in, in this room. So, uh, 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 so I made a, a brew out of, out of some Syrian roux and mimosa Stillis root bark. And, um, I've, I've done DMT a bunch. And when I did DMT the first time I was like, so there is a God, like I, I like, so there is some higher power. There has to be, there has to be like, I don't know why it, but it was just, it was a very intense experience. Um, and so the second time, well, the first time that I did ayahuasca, I was sitting here and I drank it and it didn't taste good at all. It was pretty bad. And I used lemon and, um, <laughs> and, uh, I like, I ended up seeing like within 45 minutes, I started seeing, um, I closed my eyes and I was like in this room of like stained glass and things like that. And it was like a room of people with like, it, they were so welcoming and nice. So it, it's like, to me, that was one of the most uh, life-changing experiences ever. And um, I'm very thankful for it. So that, you know, that, that is definitely a great practice. To, I wish that would be a more regular thing in our society. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I tried to brew my own ayahuasca. You know, I did the same as you, you know, ordered it. And I ordered the Syrian root, which I understand happens just as a side note. Um, you know, because uh, the acacia tree and whatnot originates in the Middle East, the visuals, the experience tends to be uh, more Egyptian. Yeah. You know? um, the Sphinx, Ox, you know, the various Egyptian gods and whatnot. Um, it did, the experiment didn't work for me. You know, I didn't I wasn't able to I didn't go anywhere. And, it, and, and the thing that it taught me is that I like mushrooms because, you know, there's a lot of things you can do when you're growing mushrooms to screw up the process. But as long as that fruit comes up out of the, out of the cow dung, you know what it is. With the ayahuasca, like you're saying, you know, you gotta, you got to boil it multiple times. You're reducing it. And I thought, how the hell can I come up? How, how do I know what the, the, uh, the potency is here? I have no clue. So I think, you know, with ayahuasca, there's definitely an art to the preparation that mushrooms kind of removes from that, that whole process. Um, experientially, I've worked with people that have done ayahuasca and mushrooms. And uh, one person in particular, <clears throat> she's upstairs and I hear all this commotion, you know, right out of the gate, you know, right when she should be coming up. And so I go upstairs to check on her and she's sitting on the bed, just cussing up a storm. And I said, you know, what are you experiencing? 
And uh, she said, it's, it's the exact same thing as ayahuasca. And what I gleaned from that experience was that she was, she was opinion shopping. You know, she didn't like what she was shown with ayahuasca, so she thought she'd try mushrooms, right? But it was the same spirits that showed up to her and giving her the same message with both, you know, with both Indians. That's very interesting. It is interesting. So, and, you know, the way, what I advise people, you know, I feel like we're, we're called to one or the other. You know, it could be San Pedro, it could be Iboga, it could be Ayahuasca. And again, I just advise people to trust their intuition. Which one are you drawn to? Now, I did purge. Okay, so I did purge with Ayahuasca. Like, like bad. Like, at the end of the night, I, like, it was green. And, like, I have no idea how that was. So, they're, you know, they're, and I was like, I guess I'm throwing up the, the, all the bad because there is a mystical aspect every time you trip like i believe that also mm-hmm. and and i believe that there should it should be treated like that a little bit you know what i mean it shouldn't right. just be treated like i want to get high because then you're not really i guess but see the big thing about 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 the whole spiritual aspect in my opinion is that um even if you do get high you do end up getting just a spiritual aspect out of it like there's yeah. people that try to like just take LSD just to take it. And then they're like, wow, that was amazing. They're, you know, like they had, an, you know, it, it didn't, it may have uh, did what we would want to intend to do that. They didn't know what would happen anyway. You know, did that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah, in relation to purging, uh, there's one fellow that I worked with that uh, uh, he was struggling with alcohol and uh, he wound up purging the entire night. Oh, and I don't know whether, you know, was it a spiritual thing? You know, there's something that happens at the molecular level. And, uh, and you know, and you see things that are, you know, you're able to see into your body sometimes. And, uh, you know, for instance, what I've seen is, you know, I had a lot of, uh, you know, muscular tension. My body was just clenched up. Mm-hmm. I was able to see nerves reconnecting and then the, uh, the the deep tissue opening up, allowing blood flow, and then toxins being flushed from that tissue. Oh, and simultaneously, um, there was energy that was being released from my body that that uh, my interpretation of it is it's going out to the universe as a as a energetic prayer, so to speak. You know, the spiritual like, oh, you're finally letting go of this. You know, we got it right. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I'm receiving visions that pertain to a particular situation. So, you know, <laughs> for example. Um, I'd been doing a, uh, you know, two hour deep tissue massages and my massage therapist gave me this, you know, ball that I could roll around on to self massage. So I'm, you know, experiencing this major energetic release from my body and I put that ball on my hip and it takes me to a particular past life. So then I put it on my shoulder and I'm in a different one. I put it in my hip again and I'm back in the other one. So apparently, you know, where we're clenched up, and that's one of the things that I look for when I'm preparing someone. If their if their body's all clenched up, I'm like, you got messages waiting. Oh shit, I got messages. <laughs> <laughs> I got lots of messages. What you're doing? This is why you know. I yeah, I got lots of messages. So, um, sister asked, what are the experience differences? And I think that what uh, both and uh, everyone is really trying to say is that it's it's really what journey or what is going on with you personally and where you're building what you're building up to, to release. Um, and so everyone experience, everyone's experience is different. Uh, I think in a, in an emotional or a mental way, but I think on a physical way, 
some people uh, makes everyone laugh or it makes you cry mm-hmm. or i think that and yawn like and I, yawn. I mean that yawn and the the, the eye the shame with my teeth are, like why do my teeth feel like they're gonna fall out of my mouth if so i the whole aspect are all there well, yeah, I think that's, you know, I think you touched on one of the, you know, the bits of misinformation that's been, you know, propagated out there. You know, I hear people advising others, they say, well, gosh, you know, if you're experiencing anxiety or depression, um, your mindset is going to determine what you experience during your trip. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that. I mean, I've gone into it just, you know, so low, I could walk under a snail's belly and had, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to get my ass kicked, right? Um it just means that, it, frankly, for, for me, it means that I'm, I, I need it more than another time otherwise. But, um, you know, you had mentioned, uh, you know, sometimes you laugh, sometimes you cry. You know, my interpretation of that is that's what we've repressed. You know, I could, I could have repressed joy and I need to express that. I could have, you know, repressed sorrow and I need to express that. You know, and so it all depends on what's inside of me that I haven't allowed to ex- express itself. Mm-hmm. When I um so I, oh, I saw, yes yeah what are what are the experiences differences sometimes they don't they don't talk about um some bad times too like a bad trip like um I I was I took some mushrooms at, uh two years ago and I was out in my garden and uh, the spr- sprinklers went off and I had a PTSD episode so sometimes yeah sometimes the experience differences can, can definitely range from like life changing to like, but that episode ended up making me go get therapy for a year and a half. So the, you know, it's, uh, it. So, so it exposed to you some repressed fear and, the, and that's, mm-hmm. so you, that was yeah. your, you took your takeaway. Yeah. Well, when that happened, I was like, Oh, I, I, because, you know, I was a little bit depressed and things like that beforehand. Mm-hmm. And then that, came out and i was just i started crying and this and that for like four or five hours and um it was and the thing that triggered it was the sprinklers so i was just like okay i have i think this is i think it's time i think i think i have to go i think i have to go get some professional help right now right right to me that's that's integration right you know you were uh, you received new information and you reacted you know you responded to it appropriately yeah 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 you know, I've also seen other people like I've also seen other people take like hit acid and kind of go through psychosis mm-hmm. and they ended up, you know, getting help that they needed and things like that. But they never touched drugs again. So, right. you know, there there's it, like everybody is saying here, your experiences are different no matter, yeah. you know, no matter what. Well, and to, and to your point about, you know, use the term psychosis. And that's really that's what we're doing. We're inducing psychosis intentionally with the expectation that we're going to come back. Right. Um, you know, what I've seen during a trip, you know, when someone's having a quote bad trip, they're fighting what they're being shown. And my little trick is to ask them, what are you experiencing? And so they look over at me and they're like, oh, this guy's chill. You know, there must not be you know, an emergency here. Um, and then they begin to look at what they're being shown in order to describe it to me. And then they slide right back into it. So my theory for you know persistent psychosis is they just aren't prepared to receive the information that's there for them, and so their their mind is working overtime to try to fight it and block it out. And that's and that's one of the big reasons that the preparation is so important. And it's not for everybody, you know. And that's that's another thing that I think that 
you know, some of the misinformation, you know, those that are trying to make a business out of it, you know, those that are promoting the pharmaceutical medical therapeutic model are looking for a way to where they don't have to take the time to do the, the quote gatekeeping to, you know, kind of um, qualify people for the experience. Now there are certain things, you know, I mean, well, I mean, if somebody is experiencing, uh, you know, psychosis or schizophrenic, you know, type symptoms, my interpretation of that is this is the same type of information that's trying to come through without the benefit of entheogen. So we want to engage in um, integration type exercises to be able to resolve that. Right. You know, where, where the, uh, the typical therapist or uh, psychotherapist or whatever, their approach to that whole thing is you won't walk into a mental hospital and see someone that is diagnosed with schizophrenia that's not medicated. Therapists just do not deal with it. This, this, you know, it begins to enter the realm with a shaman where it's like, okay, you know, I've had experience with, you know, these kind of, you know, uh, symbolic messages and whatnot. Um, you know, I've worked through my own. I've helped other people work through it. What's, what's the information that's coming through to you? So rather than basically saying to someone that's hearing voices, oh, you got to take a pill to suppress that. I'm going to say, what are they saying to you? Right. You know, again, what are you experiencing? You know, tell me about it. Yeah. That could yeah, be quite comforting, way. actually. Mm-hmm. It, it could really help with the quality of life of somebody, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I want to just take a moment to put the disclaimer out there for all of us that nobody on this panel are doctors or lawyers. Um, We're speaking from experience and education um, and research that we've done um, on our own. And so I just want to keep that in mind. But I also want to remind everybody that doctors don't get an education on cannabis or mushrooms. So keep that in mind as well. Totally. totally. So Um, so, one of y'all brought up something that, uh, that I felt like it was worth, you know, making a point about. Um, It has to do with choosing who we trip with. You know, and that's that's very, very important because as soon as you go into that space, you know, the one way Terrence McKenna describes it, it's boundary dissolving. Right. Um, You know, when you go into that space, your intuition just, you know, goes through the roof. So if there's some weirdness between me and somebody else that hasn't been addressed, it's going to come to the surface right out of the gate. Or if I've got, you know, um, intentions or motivations that are undisclosed and you know, non-consensual, that's going to come up right out of the gate. So I feel like that, uh, and again, I think this kind of speaks to, you know, those that are promoting this, you know, pharmaceutical, medical, therapeutic model. Not everybody has any, has business guiding people into this space. If you're not doing it with the, with pure motives, you know, altruistic motives, that's going to be known and it's going to wind up either producing a bad trip or it's going to produce a major distraction that's going to have to be resolved right then before they can move forward. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. That's yeah, a big deal. And, I, and I think, you know, to me, one of the big differences is, you know, they, people refer to the, the wounded healer. And, you know, if you've been through this process yourself, it creates a level of empathy. It's like, okay, I've experienced the benefit from this. And to the extent that someone shows up, I want to share that with them. I'm not going out looking for anybody to say, Hey, you know, right. you need this. It's whoever shows up and that produces that altruistic motive. You know, right. like, like that guy. Experiences, it's like I want you to experience the same healing that I've experienced as well. Right. 
Like I saw this special on Vice. It was like the Kentucky Shaman or something like that. And he had like <laughs> he sold stuff. He like he sold like trips to his house out in Kentucky to like <laughs> make ayahuasca and make people trip. And like it's some yeah some I don't know some people you can kind of see through their motives because I, I definitely uh, definitely he he had a lot of people that were having bad trips in that special that's for sure so right and and, and I think you know being able to 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 intuit another person's <clears throat> motive is really the primary reason that this whole thing has been illegal for so long yeah. You know, I mean, and, and this is where it's going to just, you know, has the potential to completely upend our culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you've got all of a sudden got all these people that are now able to intuit someone else's motives, well, those with ill intent, you know, what are they going to do? Yeah, right? exactly. Right. Um, Marla asked a question that I want to answer first, and then I'm going to let um, y'all answer the question further. Um, the only two things, Marla, that I remember from my college biology course is, number one, do not put a dead body in a mossy area because it's going to preserve the evidence. <laughs> and number two, there is a mushroom that looks exactly like, I think it's the white button mushroom, that will kill you in like 20 minutes by yeah. shutting down all of your organs. Yeah. So, so there are bad mushrooms. There are bad mushrooms. Oh, there are. I'm not sure if that's what you meant by that, <laughs> but I'll I'll give it to the experts here. Go ahead, guys. No, there definitely are out in the wild. There's a lot of there. Well, there's there's less fatal mushrooms than there are known fatal plants. I know that, but we don't know all of the mushrooms yet. So. There's there's mushrooms that grow under uh, like on the seafloor. That's one thing that I've that, like I discovered that was kind of crazy. Uh, there's it's not psilocybin, but it's on the seafloor, which is kind of like insane to think about. Um, and then there's also uh, yeah, there's mushrooms definitely that'll that'll end your life very very quickly. Uh, some of them have like straight up arsenic on them. Uh, the the Mita muscara, the red mushroom with the white spots. Those white spots are that's arsenic. So that's yeah. So that's a that, it's a defense mechanism. They use uh, chemicals as a defense mechanism. Right. And the ones that eat plastic, you don't want to eat those because they. Yeah. Have no. 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 The bitter oyster, the ones that glow in the dark, those will definitely hurt you too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's also where they're growing out from too. So if they're uh, growing out of. Um, certain things uh certain things can produce bad mushrooms so uh in some forests like in some pine forests i would be wary about any mushroom that you find in there so that that because pine is supposed to have uh is is not supposed well the mushrooms that grow on pine aren't supposed to be edible usually from what from what i've been told so yeah good enough yeah. Well, you know, we, we've really not studied mushrooms. You know, this is a this is a relatively new thing. There's all kinds of species, like you're saying, those that grow on the ocean floor. I mean, you know, you know, we we've never really taken the time to to dive in and understand what these are all about. But um, you know, mushrooms share more DNA with humans than they do with plants. Yep. You know, we they they inhale oxygen and exhale CO two just like we do. They've developed a lot of, uh, you know, antibodies and whatnot that, that may benefit us, you know. 
Um, but I, I, I kind of wonder, you know, when, when they ask that question, you know, are there any bad mushrooms? I think, you know, they've been such a mystery to us as a, as a, as a, the human race, as a human culture that there's, you know, justified fear of mushrooms in general that translates to fear of mushrooms containing psilocybin. Right. My, my mom, she, um, she took, okay. So I'll take it from this aspect. She is like 75. So she's like a real, real elderly boomer. <clears throat> and um, she, she says, Oh yeah, we didn't have, we didn't eat mushrooms back then. And that was because first of all, they were too expensive to buy. So there is a, like a classist ax- aspect with mushrooms. And then second of all, she was like, yeah, it, it was just uh, something that we didn't, there's this, um, there's a mushroom, there's a lot of mushrooms in Italy, but there's this certain type of mushroom in Italy that will kill you. The white button mushroom that you're talking about, that it'll, it'll, yeah, that's in Italy. So, and my people come from Italy. So that's another thing. So there's, and this has been, so known we all putting it on Roman people's times. pizzas and being like, yeah, it's suffering. Like, yeah, it's been known <laughs> since Roman times, though. Like, it's like the Romans have talked about like mushrooms killing people. Mm. So that's, yeah. So that's, it's been, it's been around since for, you know, since the year one, basically. So, <clears throat> well, I, th- I think it's an interesting thing. You know, when you think about, you know, how did somebody figure out that mushrooms with psilocybin produce these effects? You know, right. who was the first person that, you know, that was in a, in a cow, in a field that had cattle or horses in it that rather than choosing to kill the live animal, instead chose to eat the fruit that was growing out of the turd. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's a, that's a pacifist that has a lot of courage. <laughs> well, that's how you yeah. find bugs too. So if you flip over a cow patty, you'll find bugs also. And like grubs and things like that. Like they still eat termites in like a lot of different parts of the world. They still eat grubs in a lot of different parts of the world. So that's a decent type of protein. And in, in the ancient world, uh, in central America, they used a lot of different plants that we use now, like tobacco. They used, uh, to, they ended up making this, uh, I guess you could say extract and they took it a certain way that would make them hallucinate. They would, uh, they would, um, eat psilocybin mushrooms and play like, like this game. That's kind of like basketball, but if you lost, you'd lose your head. <laughs> yeah. They, they would have to, yeah. It's on, it's, it's on the walls. It's on the walls of the arena, the mushroom basketball roulette. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, yeah, it's kind of strange how we've been, how plants, medicinal plants and teaching plants and teaching mushrooms and things like that. Yeah, I would have, I would love to have been around when somebody figured out that some mushrooms were edible and some mushrooms were not. And like, you know, the discovery of all of that. Right. Who, so, who, would, who would be <laughs> it'd be like Russian roulette <laughs> yeah, yeah it would you, you know you know it was like some classist system too where it was like you eat that <laughs> like, right. you do it first I so. guess when you're starving anything anything that looks good ends up becoming edible for a second you know what I mean yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, but yeah, that, uh, Terrence, McKen- Terrence and Dennis McKenna's story about La Chirera, uh they were somewhere in either South America or Mexico, and uh, that's they were, you know, these starving hippies that were, you know, cruising around, you know, trying to trying to score with shaman and in, in, you know, various places, 
and uh, they had nothing to eat, so they just ate mushrooms. Nothing but for like a month. Jesus. Magic mushrooms. <laughs> Jesus. That's insane. I do know that um, I do know that uh, in like ancient uh, ancient Middle Middle East area, uh, the thing about psilocybin mushrooms there because they couldn't get them right. So the there's a Viking way of doing it where the shaman would eat the Amida muscara and then he would pee into a cup or something like that, and then the other Vikings would drink it and they would get like the the psychedelic effects. Well, with psilocybin. You could do the same thing. And I wish some of I wish the people that were only gonna listen to this could see my face right now because it that's gross. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. With psilocybin, you could do the same thing. So there is there's rumors or there's like yeah, there's rumors of it where it's like some some you know priests out there or I guess uh priests of Islam. I guess you would call them that, right? Is that is that is that the actual correct term? Ivan or something like that. Anyway, yeah, I I don't know, and I apologize if we're not being correct on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't want to offend anybody. Absolutely not. Yeah. So the thing is, is that they they would, you know, they would switch out. You know what I mean? One would eat psilocybin mushrooms because they were so hard to find, Mm. and you know they would pee into into a thing the other priests would drink it and they would recycle it. They would recycle it. And, but, but that's like, that's like a thing like in the ancient world. So it sounds like yeah. something. Is well, the similar the story that I've heard is that uh, the Siberian shaman, well, that the, uh, that the reindeer would eat the Anamita muscara and uh, it contains, you know, two uh, main alkaloids. One is ibotene and one is muscarol. And somehow when it passes through the digestive system, it would convert ibotene to muscarol, which is a psychoactive component of it. So, the, so supposedly the Siberian shaman would drink the, uh, the reindeer urine. Okay. How do, you get rain- the- How do you get it? No, How do you collect bad. reindeer urine? Yeah, I have I have so many questions on that. <laughs> and I like literally was waiting for you both to say something about excrement because I was like already out on the urine, but then I thought reindeer, somebody's gonna be eating shit here in a minute. But no, we're back to the urine, which is harder to collect. So I don't even understand. Like right. how the ancient people also oh, legend. <laughs> just right. like pee in the cup. Like I don't. It sounds weird. I mean, I mean, I, I was out at urine. I'm not doing that. <laughs> no, not doing that. Sounds like an OnlyFans page. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't do it either. I wouldn't do it either. But I think it's. I mean, well, I mean, wait, pause. To sure. be fair, I would eat the mushrooms and be in a cup. But I would, I that's as far as I can go. With it. I can't, okay. I can't, right. I can't, I can't switch the roles. Like, I would, <laughs> if somebody else wants to drink it, call me, we'll do an OnlyFans. Okay, <laughs> I was gonna drink just, something, but now I don't want to. Just <laughs> kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Um, yeah. what was the there was a question, are there record? Do you either of you have recommendations of um, mushrooms that? people might want to give a shot to if they're looking to use it for medicinal purposes. Do you want to, you want to try around? You well, want how to- are we defining medicinal? Oh, are you talking about like a uh, lion's mane and, and, uh, yeah, those types of things that are on the market, maybe that people have access to. 
Yeah, I, I know nothing. Oh, you know well, nothing. yeah, I would, I would say uh, lion's mane is really good for anxiety and depression. Um, yeah, and then also, like I said, with turkey tail and reishi. Uh, but lion's mane is probably the best for depression. There's also a, um, another type of mushroom called agaricon which is supposed to be uh, an antiviral antibacterial mushroom. I'm actually doing experiments with it now with coffee and uh, it's working out. It's like green coffee, which is kind of, you don't think that mushrooms can grow on that. Most mushrooms can't actually. So for this to actually be growing on that and for then, yeah, that it's just a good thing. Uh, It can chemically roast coffee. So that's, that's pretty interesting. That's so interesting. You're, I mean, oh, I know here. we're going to be here for hours. And like, some of this, I'm like, I'm not really sure what you're saying, but yes, it's so interesting. <laughs> like, you're like, it can roast coffee. I'm like, whoa, these things are, I mean, like, clear, like, honestly, even the non-magical mushrooms are extremely magical. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty interesting. It's crazy. So, and I think fundamentally, you know, go ahead, go ahead, Randall. I I think fundamentally, you know, one of the things we that I'd like for people to keep in mind is that we have co-evolved with these natural plant medicines, you know, cannabis and mushrooms. Um, Well, you know, we have the the cannabinoid receptors, and we have receptors with the serotonin receptors. Uh, we even have muscarol acceptors receptors that you know that work with the enamina muscara. We were we co-evolved. I mean, you know, this was supposed to happen. Yeah, and and psilocybin it uh, it actually it it attaches to the serotonin receptor with no problem. Um, it actually it's it's um and let me see here in this study psychedelic effects of psilocybin correlate with serotonin A two receptor occupancy and plasma. Silosin, silosin levels, which basically means it makes you happy. So that's. <laughs> yeah. But as I understand it, the reason that the uh, that the LSD trip lasts longer is the shape of the molecule stays in that receptor for a longer period of time. Yeah. So it's, it has less to do with the dosage and more to do with you know what is it that you're ingesting. You know, for me with the with the magic mushrooms, it's four hours on the dot. I mean, you could put a stopwatch on it. Yeah. Wow. I usually, mm-hmm. when I take more than, I do microdose, so I take it regularly. And I honestly, I don't know, it, maybe it's a placebo effect or maybe it's actually working. But um, what I grind, I just, um, this is from my perspective. You don't have to follow it. I'm not a doctor. But I, um, I grind mine. I put them in capsules. And um, right now I'm taking two capsules in the morning and, and in the evening. Um, and it's actually, it helps my mood throughout the day. It helps. It does help me not, I take less naps, you know, and I, you know, we could blame it on whatever we want to blame it on, but whatever it is, it's working for me. But having said that, I've talked to Randall actually, and I am very interested in, in, a, in taking a journey and experiencing it on that level um, when I'm ready to do so. So I'm actually, I've talked to my therapist about it too. So it's like, it's not something that I would ever shy away from. I'm very interested in that because I think that um, it would be like a breakthrough for me, you know? Right. So Um, my sister is saying the same thing. She would like a, you know, 
to experience something like this where it takes, you know, a, a plan working up to uh, my sister's very regimented like that. Um, she, needs to know, she needs to know all the things before she's uh, going to. Yeah. So we'll make sure to get um, uh, your contact information. And if anybody um, would like to reach, I mean, I don't know. Are you okay with that? Um, yeah, sure. I, I don't want, I don't yeah. want to just put that you know, out there. Like I said, you know, I was, I was told in a vision, those who need your healing will find you based on your vibration. I don't yeah. put myself out there. Um, and I have to kind of try to suss out, you know, is this someone that was sent to me or is this something that's more, you know, right. I don't know. We thought it was a good idea, but um, you know, you mentioned your sister, you know, wanting to, uh, well, kind of go through the you know process, right. Mm -hmm. Typically rooted in the desire to control something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and my approach to dealing with that is basically say, look, you're not, when you go into this experience, you're not going to be in control. And to the extent oh. that you're in control, you're going to have a bad time. So we're going to do all that we can to give you as much comfort. I don't know what you're going to be shown, but there are some commonalities. You could see aliens, you could see past lives, you could see, you know, repressed trauma, you know, whatever it is. You just have to be open to, to whatever it is you're being shown. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a big part of what the, the preparation process is about is kind of moving someone from uh, desiring control to being okay, at least for four hours of not being in control. Okay. Well, that's going to take me a minute. <laughs> right. Correlate any, you know, belief system. I would have to say, and I haven't studied it, but I'd have to say it correlates with, uh, with Taoism or Taoism, which is basically just, you know, identify where the energy is going and get in the flow. You know, don't try to manipulate anything. Just accept, you know, almost kind of a predestination type mindset. And what I've been shown personally is, um, you know, if you want to debate predestination versus free will, it's a both. And what I was shown is I wrote my life story before I incarnated. So I wrote it. But yet what I wrote is predestined. Right. So. The whole enterprise requires the ability and, and willingness to let go of control. Yeah. Yeah. That's a real big thing about tripping. It really is. Mm -hmm. That's, that's I would have to agree with that. I don't really trip with other people that often who aren't willing yeah. to do that. Cause if they're not willing to do that, then you have bad situations. I've had bad situations to where I was tripping with somebody and they were like, I'm going to leave right now. And they got in their car and they tried to drive away and things right. like that. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, what are they running from? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. Their problems. So. Yeah. Well, and then, like I said, you know, the the one little you know tip or trick, you know, if you're gonna sit with somebody or quote guide them, um, if they if they experience, you know, if they're resisting, they always ask them, "What are you experiencing?" Mm -hmm. And they be, as they begin to describe it, they they just slide right back in it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And so, it's, it's an interesting thing because you know. You can't necessarily know what someone's thinking unless you're on mushrooms, you know, <laughs> and then you know what's going on. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. really interesting the the effort that we go through to keep information suppressed. And my theory is that the, that the reason is we know that once we receive that information, we're going to have to do something about it. You yeah. Know? That we part. need your change and things like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That part. We don't want to like take accountability or, do do any of the work we right right yeah. well, generally anyway, speaking i say i say in the general we i say in the general we i'm not talking if, hey listen you know, you know 
Well, I think it's interesting. You know, they refer to ayahuasca as the grandmother. They refer to the cacti entheogens, San Pedro and Mescaline, as grandfather. And Maria Sabina refers to the mushrooms as the children. One of the things that I've noticed is, and maybe this is why the therapists are trying to get involved, um, it tends to release repressed childhood trauma. Oh, yeah. And more often than not, I'd say at least 80% of the women that I've worked with have had some sort of sexual trauma, typically before the age of eight, that they've completely repressed. So imagine a situation where, you know, it's like, gosh, I think my father may have done something inappropriate. And I have a relationship uh, with. Uh, sorry, pause. Uh, sorry for not giving you a trigger warning on that, everybody. Oh, but sorry, sorry, it's sorry. a little triggering. You can continue, though. No, we, we talk about serious things here. Right. But you, you can imagine, you know, well, and, you know, if you have an unconscious understanding that there has been something that has happened and you still have an ongoing relationship with a person that has caused you harm in the past, yes. that's going to require a change. You know, you can't go back, you can't unsee what you've been shown. Right. right. So you have to go into it with the desire to experience truth, you know, regardless what it is, because you're going to be shown truth. Right. Mm-hmm. That's an absolute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, this conversation is so interesting. I've learned so much from you guys. This has been like great. from start to finish, from like beginning of mushroom to um to psychedelic mushroom, magic mushrooms. Um you guys are very interesting. Your stories are super interesting. Thank you. You're Thank very you. welcome. <laughs> you want to hear an interesting story? The wild one that kind of characterizes, you know, what it can be about? Yeah. We would love to. All right. Um, okay. So married couple, early 30s, uh, from the uh, southeastern U.S., you know, before they relocated. Um, li- well, one was Lily White, one's Hispanic. Uh they were both shown separately that they had experienced past lives together as slaves in that same part of the country. Right. Um, so it was the, uh, the wife's second experience and the first experience, she was shown a lot of information about her father. The second one was about her mother. She knew it was going to be about her mother because the dreams leading up to the experience the week before were all about her mom. Right. So, the original plan was that they were both going to be here. She showed up by herself and I asked her, I said, you know, well, would you like your husband to be here with you? And she said, I don't know. He told me I just need to face whatever I'm shown. And I said, I asked her the question. I said, well, what would make you feel more comfortable? And she thought about it for a minute. And she said, I would like you to have him here. So we text him and he comes over. So I wound up giving him a, just a tiny dose. I think I'd mixed up two grams for myself and he took maybe a third of it. So she's on the come up. I see that it's starting to hit. Ask her if she'd like her husband to escort her upstairs. So then she said, yes. So they go upstairs. And this is kind of, you know, I think that bit of the story has to do with releasing control, allowing things to play out as they're supposed to. Right. Because there is a weird magical element to it that kind of sets up the whole thing. Right. So they go upstairs and what I'm experiencing downstairs is it feels like there's a thousand pound weight on my chest. I'm having to intentionally breathe into it just to be able to breathe. All right. Um, she had a major uh, blockage in her heart chakra. Her husband's experiencing it as well. All three of us are having to breathe into it. She hears me tell her telepathically that she needs to breathe into it. So that's what we're doing. Right. So her husband sits on the, the edge of the bed and she's on the floor and she curls to the right 
curls to the left, and then kisses his feet while his hands are on the top of her head. Okay, and they had had a an Afro Caribbean healer, the spirit of an Afro Caribbean healer, show up. Okay, that was that was guiding him through this process. Well, afterward they Google it, and that is a uh, a Haitian uh, Afro Caribbean healing ceremony that they did that none of us knew anything about. Oh, interesting. So, so this 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 healer tells her to go into the bathroom and lift the toilet lid. So she goes in there, lifts it up, and she sees her mother's face. And she says, flush the toilet. So she flushes it. And the woman says to her, she'd be with you no more in this Afro-Caribbean dialogue. That's just, you know, that's about 20 minutes of a four-hour experience that was just off the chain. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. amazing. That's, but that's the kind of stuff. And, and what was interesting, too, about, about their whole story is when he was a child, Again, he's this lily white guy growing up in a you know wealthy family in in the southeastern United States, and he was oddly fascinated by voodoo dolls, and he and he collected them. Well, what he was shown is that that was his form of spirituality in a past life. So, it on one hand, it's just shocking and blows your mind. On the other hand, other on the other hand, it makes complete sense, and that's the way these things work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, there's my yeah. Well, yeah, I. <laughs> I keep telling everybody in the audience that, you know, what you say matters and how you how you speak into the universe matters and things like that. And it's because I absolutely believe that we can speak telepathically. And the more that we do that, the better we'll get at it. And when you're using psychedelics it tends to be easier because if you're willing to go into it and open up, then that is, it's that, it's that kind of letting go of control and just opening up your mind and allowing your, allowing yourself to speak, you know, to whatever you need to speak to. I think. Right. And I, and I think, you know, once we've had these experiences and we begin to carry these into our, you know, everyday life, the effect that it has is it's like, okay, I'm not in control. I'm just going to, you know, let things play out, but I'm going to be completely consciously aware of what's happening. Right. So if, you know, whatever, my boss has <laughs> some intention, um, I can tap into that. Now, I may not confront them with it, you know, because, you know, you'd be labeled as crazy, but I'm going to keep that in the back of my mind and kind of watch it play out, right? Not going to so, forget about it. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But it, it creates a, a burden as well, you know, because, you know, it's it's a burden to be able to see what everybody's got going on. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's I see tricky. That. I can tricky see that. For sure. Um, well, let's, uh, <clears throat> do we have any last questions from the audience? Recommendations to try. Penis envy was a favorite conversation. Well, I really like B positives a lot, honestly. And they're easy to get to, and they're a more stable strain to get from a company. Usually, every time, every time that I've had to grow um, penis envy, or or albina penis envy, or any of those novelty strains, it's really hard. They're they're very d- difficult to grow, at least for me. At least for me. So. Well, no, well, you're you're right. You know the the mushrooms produce psilocybin until the uh, the cap opens and the veil breaks. Oh yeah, which is, which is when you're supposed to harvest it. Well, my understanding is, you know, the reason they call it penis envy is that the cap doesn't open up. So it looks like the penis, right? 
Um, and I don't know if that's what increases the potency. Maybe, you know, because the, the cap isn't opening, it's continuing to increase the, uh, the potency. But um, because of that, when you order from a spore vendor, it's, it's very difficult to harvest a spore. So typically what you're going to wind up with is a liquid culture, which in some ways can be easier. In some ways is more difficult to grow. Yeah. 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 And, I, and I think because it's a hybrid, I mean, you know, what they've done is they've, 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 they've monkeyed with the genetics to where it's basically unnatural. Yeah. You know? I, think, I think from that perspective, it's going to make it more difficult to grow. Yeah. Yeah. That makes and sense. yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, from what I know, though, like with um, with the size of the mushroom, so it's like you have these things called aborts, which are like little babies. They're like this big. And uh, from what I know, um, at that point, they're like already they already have psilocybin in them. Um, but like by the time that they actually grow to that point to the veil, you can actually pick them at like a tenth of that size or even like half of that size, and they'll still have as much psilocybin in them as if they were super big. So I, I, there, uh, there's been tests on it. Uh, the, the reason why I bring up Paul Stamets a lot is because he's actually the only guy that's done actual like scientific testing, like where like they see how much is in what and, and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I, I, I hate bringing him up all the time, but <laughs> are, are you saying the size matters or it doesn't matter? It does. Well, it, it <laughs> somewhat does. It somewhat does. <clears throat> like you don't want to, uh, you don't want to pick them when they're too small, but like if you don't want them to grow to like this huge size, you don't have to either. Um, from what I know, if you do grow into that huge size, that's probably your, your, you know, that mushroom would have as much psilocybin in it as something that would be uh, a tenth of the size of it. So. so, so for production purposes, if you were growing and you wanted to continue a cycle, you could potentially then uh, harvest earlier with yeah. the smaller, and then yeah. get started again. Or yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, and as it relates to you know growing and, and the size and whatnot, there there are people that get into you know using agar and monkeying with you know uh, trying to come up with a particular um, I don't know genetics that are going to produce larger fruits, and uh, you know why? You know, I don't get it. You know, to me, you know, if you've got say a shoebox sized tub of you know manure, that's going to produce a particular weight over two maybe three flushes yeah. and whether they whether they show up as small mushrooms or one big one i don't think it really matters yeah yeah you could still eat them they'll still get you off for sure right right yeah well in the big ones i've got to slice up to you know fit in my dehydrator anyway so it's you know who cares right <laughs> yeah. right um do you guys have a rule that you always follow when you're doing mushrooms i have a rule that i follow that I haven't followed in the past, but I follow it now. What is What's it? your rule? My rule is that I don't take a large dose two days in a row. Uh -huh. So if I'm just like going, like I'm going to go to Meow Wolf. So I'm going to take a, a nice dose and get a little, you know, psychedelic. I won't right. do it the next day too. Cause the next day feels horrible for me. Uh, the one rule that I have is that I don't, eat spaghetti beforehand oh is there a reason for that i well 
I I don't know what it is, but if I eat spaghetti and then I and then I'm tripping and I throw up, I think that like my inner stomach lining. <laughs> I think like I'm throwing up an organ. Like, like it goes from zero to a hundred real quick. Close my ears. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, but if it if it goes from zero to a hundred because it's all red, and I'm like, oh god, and like, yeah. oh, <laughs> graphic content. So <laughs> oh, I you know because when you said that, I felt it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So you felt it too. So I'm sorry. Rule. Good rule to follow, everyone. Do not eat uh, spaghetti or red pasta sauce before um, or noodles. Don't eat noodles. noodles. Especially if there might be a reason that you not you might need to purge. And if oh, you know what? Like uh, adding to the adding to that rule, um, if you feel the need to purge, don't suppress it. Just do it. It's just do it. Just get it over with. Just just get it done. Let it go. Help it out if you need to. Push it through if you need to. Whatever you got to do, but get it out. Hydrate. Hydrate. Well, as as usual, I'll be I'll be the contrarian. Um, Don't hydrate. Just just to make a point, Um, my rule is that there are no rules. Okay. That uh, that that it's a matter of going with the flow. It's a matter of tapping into into intuition and that kind of thing. You know what feels right in this moment. You know, am I ready? Am I not? You know. you know, that being said, you know, my habit, my um, uh, my routine for myself personally is I'm always alone, you know, and it's always, you know, relatively high dose with eyes closed and silent darkness. And I'm crossing over and I'm, and I'm getting questions. I'm asking. I'm getting answers, you know, right. that and, and I eat pizza afterwards. That's right. My- See, okay. yeah, That's yeah, a good yeah. Rule. yeah. If you have any. Yeah. If you're going to if you're going to have a decent meal, have it after you do that. Right. <laughs> Um, do you always purge? I don't always know, but sometimes, sometimes you just you just got shh, shit you gotta let go of, and it's and it manifests in your body. And so I got like, well, I'll say sometimes too. It's not always like the when when we say purge, we're talking about like throwing up usually. But sometimes I sweat really hard, like it's like it's like all coming out of my pores and stuff. So sometimes it's that kind of thing. But um, but yeah, if if you feel the need to to physically let go, find a place to do that because it's going to be really important for your experience because what if you hold on to it i mean you're just not going to get the experience you need because really it is your body just needs to let go you just need to let go right so 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 the the purging thing brings up a a story that i think you may find interesting um there's a woman that i worked with six or seven years ago and uh um, she relieved some trauma uh and it happened to be sexual trauma um she went on to get a, a therapist degree and certificate license. And uh, she contacted me, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago, and uh, said she wanted to integrate that into her therapy practice. And so I began to coach her on how to cultivate and whatnot. And uh, she did an excellent job. You know, apparently she's a great mushroom mother and, you know, and they, yeah. they grew well for her. Um, she had clients lined up on her calendar and uh, she decided to do a trip for herself. So she took, and, and she wanted me to kind of sort of be there remotely, you know, 
And uh, uh, so she texted me. She said, well, I threw up. I guess I'm not going to have a trip tonight. And then she she got in the, she got in the bathtub. I mean, she, she threw up immediately, you know, and you know, that's what she did. She was like, I'm not going to trip. I guess it wasn't meant to be right. So that once when I took ecstasy, but I digress. (laughs) (laughs) So 20 or 30 minutes later, I get a text. She's like, I'm tripping balls. And uh, she had decided to get in the, in the bathtub and take a bath. And when she described to me her experience later, she said that it was anger that the tiles in the bathroom all turned red. And the message that she got was do not serve the sacraments. And I've, you know, and of course it was, she it took her a little while to kind of integrate what she was shown on that. But, uh, but I followed up with her and asked her, I said, you know, what was that about? You know, why, why shouldn't you? Right. And uh, the answer that she gave me was I was told I was supposed to stay in my lane. You know, I don't I don't think that necessarily I don't think that all therapists are qualified to work with the sacraments, but I don't think being a therapist disqualifies you necessarily. Right. Knowing her, um, I, you know, I didn't see anything that would, you know, keep her from being able to fill that role. But apparently the spirits had a different idea and said, no, that's Mm -hmm. not you. Right. Well, listen to the messages that you that uh, you get. Thank you for loving this show. We love you, too. She wants she wants to come on Wednesday's show. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. <laughs> and uh and maybe Steve can join us too. And uh, we'll see. Okay. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> excuse me. Woo, this has been a great show. I've really been enjoyed listening to you guys like discuss and uh you know the experiences and, and the shared um and the questions that are generated. Sorry, I had to get my charger. Sorry. I'm just now discovering the question. <laughs> um, um I I I could listen to you guys talk about this for more hours, um, if we had more hours in the day. Um, we would love to have you back in a future show to, sure. to talk about mushrooms again. Um, you guys are delightful. Oh, well, thank you. I've learned so much today. Thank you. I, I'm going to watch this back a couple of times probably so I can like take notes Right. <laughs> right. I, I, I was already taking notes as we were talking. I saw and, you. Yeah. <laughs> I saw you. you. Um, but yeah, I do like the different, you know, again, different aspects of when we say medical or medicinal, like again, the heroic. I think um, the spiritual part is medicinal. medicinal. You know, it's still medicinal yeah. it's in, in our way, you know, spiritually or however people look at it differently. You know, we all have yeah. different views and um i there i was actually reading an art or uh, an actual uh, peer article that was talking about they um actually did um a whole study with people that were spiritually minded and had more of a you know a very you know, faith and they they agreed that it opened them up and made their spiritual experience that much more and the people around them they took in uh you know the data from the people that were around them and how they were affected by uh you know this and um you know so it was a it was an interesting little um study so i like um that i feel like i'm i'm the only person the last time i did um a, a, no i guess it wasn't the last time but 
the last big time that I took a bigger dose, um, I went to Meow Wolf in um, Santa Fe. And I was like, I should not be in public, but it was the best experience. I was rolling around on all of this stuff and I was touching stuff. And like, I was with my best friend and I was just like laughing. Um, sure, there were other people there, but I didn't really care. It was, it, I, I just, I don't know. It was That's pretty experience. cool though. Like Meow Wolf, the first time I've ever been to Meow Wolf, I had to go for a concert, so it was only half open. But when I went there, I like I completely was like in ADD overdrive. I didn't even take drugs beforehand or like trip or anything. I was just like they were so much to see. Yes, stone cold sober. And I was just like, oh god, it was so crazy. Yeah. So it it was apparent to me when I walked in. It's like these people have done mushrooms. (laughs) this is this is where they receive their inspiration yeah right no absolutely um i you know i don't know i think i would prefer that experience i've done other um psychedelics and and other less natural psychedelics so um i just enjoyed this one this experience more and i do feel like it makes me, I feel like, you know, I got a little shine on when I, when I'm taking a regular dose. So I don't know, it's helping something. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, as it, as it relates to the, uh, I don't know what I'll call recreational experiences. Um, but I, you know, it can enhance really whatever it is that we're doing. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the only downside to, you know, the recreational experience is if you haven't done the heroic dose, because it was, and it's kind of like the same thing with my, with the microdosing. Um, and I don't know if there's a. Uh, uh, That's what I'm gonna call it from now on the heroic dose. What's that? That's what I'm gonna call it from now on the heroic dose. I think that's right. bigger than like a macro dose, right? That's just like it's like the big punch you want to get. Like you're going in, you're going all in. Right, right. But I think you know what what can happen is during a recreational experience, we can slip into something that we didn't intend. You know what I mean? Um, so. My perspective on, and the, and the same thing can happen with microdosing. You know, you hear stories about somebody who's taken a, a microdose before they go into their office meeting, and they're there in the conference room tripping balls. You know, um, <laughs> that can happen. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, I think I think once you've done the heroic dose, you know, the you know crossing over and that kind of thing, and you've seen what's there for you, then it's a lot safer to do recreationally or with your partner or you know whatever. Yeah. Because you, know, you know what to expect. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Or, or you've you've cleared whatever energy is in your body that's you know that's likely to come up. You know. But the other yeah, thing I see too is, you know, that you know you hear the set and setting is so important, and it is. And I think that um, what I've seen is, if you don't have the right set and setting, some of the really tough stuff is not going to come up anyway. You know what I mean? There's some kind of a safety mechanism, either spiritually or you know, or conscious versus unconscious mind, whatever it is that doesn't allow this stuff to come up unless we cultivated the right thing, you know? Yeah. I agree. Um, wow. Thank you. Jesus. We could just, we could go on for hours. We really could, is- but we are going to have to wrap it up. Um, oh, we do have two more minutes until some we, 420. <laughs> somebody's 420. We missed, uh, we missed, we missed West coast 420. West coast. Happy 420 West coast. 420, everyone. Um, 
This show is brought to you by CQ LLC Cannabis Consulting. You can hit us up at customer service CQ LLC at Gmail. 970-426-5985 is our phone number. We would love to come help you out, rehab your facility, um, help you build from brand new license, whatever you need. Educate your staff. That's what we're really good at. Um, give us a call and let us know what you need and we'll help you out. Um, we would like to thank our guest, Dennis, Mushroom Man Dennis and Randall. Thank you. Thank you for coming on today and talking to us extensively about mushrooms. Um, this was a, such a great show. I think it's, it's going to deserve a playback, everybody. So um, definitely save it in your browser so you can come back and listen to it again um, and take a few notes, maybe. Bring <laughs> a lot of good. I'll have another show. Bring yeah. more questions. Bring more questions. Okay. Um, great. And if you have more questions, you can send them to us at cannabiscloset420 at gmail.com. Uh, also, come hang out with us at Discord. I forgot to do this today. Let me grab the link before we go so that um, if you want to come hang out with us in Discord, you guys can use this link and come chill with us. Sometimes we talk business. Sometimes we work out. Sometimes we just smoke in blunts. It really depends on the mood of Should the day. Yep. So yeah. <laughs> there it is. Um, There's that link for you. Um, follow us on Instagram. We're having a giveaway once we reach a thousand, which we have a ways to go. So y'all got to help us out. We're going to give uh, this lovely creature away. Name it to claim it. It comes with a banger and a bowl. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece. Nice. You can check out our Instagram. Uh, follow us on there. We were going to do it on TikTok and we apologize for not doing it on TikTok. Uh, but Kick we don't let our videos go through. So uh, we can't even say the C word. So, you know, we, uh, we're going to build our Instagram instead and, and see how that goes. Um, find us after the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. We'll probably be there. You can find us live on YouTube, Facebook Live, and Twitch, twitch.tv slash Canvas Closet 420. That's where you find us. Um, thanks for joining us today. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you um, so much. As always, be nice to yourself. Remember to put your mask on first before you assist others. <laughs> Cultivate love. Yeah. And stay lifted. Stay lifted, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.